Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning. What a gorgeous day it is. And you know why? Because we're just here and we're breathing. Health and well-being is everything for us. This is Dr. Deb Carlin here at the Cake Factor, where cake was kindness and the factors are all the things that lead to it. Over the years that we've been doing this show, we've talked to people all around the world about kindness and about what it is that they're doing to demonstrate kindness in ways that perhaps they never even thought about, but we discovered it and wanted to interview them to inspire you. One of the things that I'm really hooked on, and you've heard me talk about this over the years, is authentic, holistic well-being. And it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But today, we're not talking about that lightweight, just some diet and some exercise and what people are calling mindset. Those things are important, but not nearly as important as what we're going to be talking about today. I'm happy to introduce today one of my dearest people in the world, a brilliant MD, PhD, internal medicine physician, chemist, incredible healer, brilliant mind. He figures things out, a forerunner, a thought leader. I'm proud to introduce Dr. Mark Levy today. We're going to talk about health and well-being in this episode called Friendly Fire. We're going to open it up with some friendly fire. Welcome to the show today, Dr. Mark Levy. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so we've done, we've done events together, and one of the things that I have set in motion at the beginning of some of our events is, so everybody in the audience, raise your hand uh, if you think that when you go to see your physician because you're not feeling well, that it's just all physical. And people, you know, sort of sheepishly raise their hand. And how many of you think that your psychology has anything to do with why you're coming to visit your your doctor? And a percentage of them will raise their hand. And then I ask you to tell them what percentage of the time is there a mind-body interaction. And you're usually saying, oh, my God, it's all the time you're coming in. But there's an additional element. It's not just about mind and body there's additional things that are going on with people's health that we now in science know about, isn't there? There is a tremendous amount of new data and new technology. So if you look at Western medicine, which is what I practice as a straight entrance, yeah. someone walks in and the mindset aspect is they've decided they're ill and that they want a test or a chemical or a specialist to tell them why they're ill. Mm -hmm. They've made that active decision when they walk in. They have an agenda. Every patient has an agenda. So I take the problem, and I initially work backwards. I say, okay, in a world where everything is binary, because we have to make a decision either in one direction or another, what was the trigger event? What is the conclusion of looking for at the end of the meeting other than just a test or a medicine or a referral to some other specialist? Once we're at that decision point, you then have to ask the person, what's it going to take 
to make this no longer your concern, but to make it even my concern. And to motivate change. Mm. Because whatever happens, whether it's something as serious as cancer or as minor as a head cold, mm-hmm. it has an impact on their quality of life, which is why they're taking time out of their busy schedule to be with me. And they want to get back to either that previous quality of life, and sometimes they want to actually get back to a better quality of life. This may have been something that's been going on for years that they just have now decided, I'm going to fix. So Isn't it amazing that people do that? I mean, things sneak up on us in increments, and then all of a sudden it's like, I can't take it anymore. Now I'm going to really deal with it. It's my favorite question when I find something that was obviously chronic. Why today? Yeah. And usually it was a catastrophic the person who had high cholesterol and borderline blood pressure every time they went to a wellness fair, their buddy finally had a heart attack or a stroke. Yeah. Or somebody who had diabetes and they have diabetes just lost a foot or just lost sight in one eye. It, it, human beings have a tremendous, I mean, this is your head of mind, tremendous amount of inertia yeah. to act before they act. Right. And that's why you have to address why is the action happening now and exactly what the action is that they're looking for because you don't align yourself with them. It was not a successful visit in their mind. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things that um, you and I have talked about over the years, and, and um, we've, been, we've been working together and talking to each other for, I don't know, 15 or 20 years and sharing patients and the first of whom was my mother. And, and, and we've talked a lot about... Um, building our institute together and, and you're the medical director there. I want your opinion on every single thing that we're doing and helping people figure out how to get healthy. And, and I have presented to you over the years a variety of different products and said, oh, Dr. Levy, how about if we, you know, do this nutritional analysis because I became a, a nutritionist at the age of 19. We can do a nutritional analysis and we can give these people these products. And you consistently said to me, you know what? We're shooting in the dark. It's it's always when we're prescribing or recommending uh, herbal stuff or um, or vitamins and minerals. We're always shooting in the dark because we don't know exactly what that person needs. So you might as well just admit that you're just going to take it in and then pee it out. You got the most expensive pee in town. But then something is going on with epigenetics, right? And so epigenetics, we don't want people in our culture anymore to be either working in the hospital or living in the hospital because they're a patient. And I'm exaggerating just a little bit, but you know as well as I do and better how many people are taking pharmaceuticals, either prescribed or over-the-counter, and then they're taking all these supplements and they're just guessing they got cabinets full they don't even know what they're doing. And in some cases, they might be doing damage. So what do you think about that comment and then what we're learning about epigenetics? And would you talk about epigenetics a little bit and explain what that is? Very simply, going back to the technology issue, when we see a patient or client, we have the classic bell curve, just like the range of normal for, let's take something that reads that's been topical the last few years, testosterone. Yeah. Testosterone can be as low as 200 or as high as 1,200. Mm -hmm. And that's the range of normal. Mm -hmm. But the individual could be in that normal range and still be low on testosterone. 
so you have to do further investigation. So now we have free testosterone, bioavailable testosterone, insulin-like growth factor, sex-binding globulin. The point is we now have the ability to break down waste blood and tell somebody, here was the testosterone at the moment I checked it. Here's what your brain thought of that level of testosterone. Here's what your body thought of that level of testosterone. Yes, your body is hungry for testosterone. You do fit this thing being marketed on TV and media. Well, for nutrition, we didn't have that. We've been building up all of these genetic markers and all these polymerase chain reaction tests and building a database. But even as you heard of the ancestry database, mm -hmm. well, yeah, human beings share all of these alleles in common, so it could be off by as much as 20% one way or another way. That was true five years ago, seven years ago. Yeah. But now it's getting to be more of a science. One can figure out from the herd an individual's markers. So one can take a human being, look at where your nutrition is at this exact moment, and from waste blood, DNA, biomarker, and tell you relative to the population where you are, but also relative to a potential individual standard, because we can actually look at things on the mitochondrial level. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, what makes my mouth work and my brain work is not sugar versus fat versus protein in the body. Mm -hmm. It's not the RNA and the DNA. It is, are the mitochondria running what I'm trying to do at peak efficiency or inefficient? Mm -hmm. It's just like body weight. There are some people who eat 6,000 calories a day, can't gain a pound, and there are <laughs> people who eat 600 calories a day and get heavier and heavier. Yeah. That's a matter of their metabolism. Mm -hmm. What is metabolism? Well, in the old days we said it was what your muscles are burning and your activity level and how many steps per day. But soon we're going to tell you, are your mitochondria running at 20% and thus you're just storing energy? Or your mitochondria are running at 80% you're burning most of your energy because that's the difference. So let me, let me pause it for a second. When we're talking about the mitochondria, for those in our listening audience, what we're talking about, one of the things that Dr. Levy and I are very intrigued by and, and participating in a number of different ways is functional medicine, which is about cellular activity. And the mitochondria is the powerhouse inside of every cell that is regulating what's going on in here. And, and one of the things that we're talking about in terms of genetics is you all have been thinking about genetics and and, and I have been talking about this for decades, saying, you know, well, why did you have that heart attack? Or what do you think happened in terms of getting this disorder? Well, you know, I had a heart attack because my grandfather did and my mother did. And, and I always ask people in the midst of that, all right, so with respect to your genes and what you inherit, what's on your DNA? Your hair color and your facial structure, yes. But your disease, do you understand why this is a lifestyle disease? You inherit it through social psychology, which means by living it, you know, it's that nature versus nurture question. You inherit in your lifestyle what you like to eat and how you move and how you don't. And so when we think we've inherited something genetically, hang on a second. Have you had any genetic testing? Have you really looked? 
Because what we're talking about in terms of cellular activity, people are making assumptions about genetics and lifestyle, forgetting about lifestyle when they're in the midst of, a, of an episode, a uh, health crisis of some sort, and, and really thinking, well, I was predestined to this. There's nothing I can do about it. Instead of looking at what you're talking about, the markers, and then there's switches for the markers genetically, right? So if we do a DNA test, see, this is why I, I always question the ancestry and the 23andMe is because they give you your genetic information, but I don't believe that they're talking about the switches. I'm interested in data collection that gives us our DNA and talks about the switches, what we're predisposed to, what we inherited from mom, what we inherited from dad, and where our switches are in terms of our current state of health so that we know, okay, I'm predisposed to cardiovascular disease or I'm predisposed to cancer. And if I do some specific things, if there is a product that I know can address my needs, that's epigenetics, right? I mean, we're looking at that. And we're trying to figure out, okay, what's the solution now that we've got the, the data, which we can get that data, right? We can now get the data, and we are learning about the switches very rapidly. Yeah. The initial area where we started learning about the switches was oncology, hormone-based receptors for hormone-based cancers, oh. pancreas, breast, <laughs> thyroid. But it's being backed up. And bad back up, I don't mean reinforced. I mean, they're doing what I said I do. They're now pulling back and saying, okay, was there a lifestyle, weight, nutrition, activity issue that made the switch turn on? Why did this person with the BCR gene wait till they're 70 years old to have to have mastectomy breast cancer and their identical twin sister got it 20 years earlier? Yeah. What, what causes these switches to turn on and off? And this was an infancy thing as far as research 10 years ago. Right. But we are now past the cusp. We actually know some of these switches, have names for them, and are doing population studies to determine exactly who benefits from trying to suppress the switch and who doesn't. This area of research started really peaking around 2012, 2013, as the 23andMe stuff was coming out. It's exactly what researchers said. They said, okay, cool. We, we know the math. We got a picture. But how do we determine for the picture how to get from one side of the island to the other? Mm -hmm. How to get from health to illness, from illness back to health? What is the route? Mm -hmm. So, yes, researchers have been working on this all over the world for the last five years, uh, and they are pulling in some very impressive data. Mm -hmm. It's actually funny that you're hitting this cutting edge because two years ago, this interview, I wanted to say, too soon. We are just collecting the data. Mm -hmm. No, they're already testing the data to see if they're right. So, and you and I have been reading some papers. You brought one to my attention a couple weeks ago that I think was from 2017. Yes, I printed some articles for you about the epigenetics, and you had another specific question you had asked at that time, which I pulled up for you, but I don't recall the echo it was, and had so many. Yeah. But, um, no, that was, in 2017, those articles 
referring back to research that would go back five years earlier to 2012 or 13 and saying it was too, it's too soon for this. Now it's been five, seven years. It's no longer too soon. It's known. And the only question is what action do we take? Right. So good lead-in to my next comment. You remember my talking to you about a guy down in uh, Midway, Kentucky, Midway between Lexington and Louisville. And his name is Dr. James Roach. And I went down and saw him. Um, it was, you know, maybe mm, 2014, maybe. No, no. It was about 2010, actually. And so it was not long after my mom passed away. You know, my health was sort of in a precarious position because I had gone through quite a bit of um, life interruption and, and lifestyle change in the midst of caring for her the last few years. And, and I had met him at uh, an event at Jack Canfield's ranch out in Santa Barbara. He has got this practice. He's a very traditional, good country doctor, internal medicine, family practice, genius, reminds me of you in a lot of different ways. And I went to see him, and he took a lot of information from me and then took vials and vials of blood. <laughs> it, was, it was horrifying to me, and he, and, he, and he laughed at me when I was getting scared, and he said, this is a bloodletting. It's very healthy. It's, it's much more, much more uh, socially yeah, acceptable yeah. than the vampires, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, the the one thing I, I loved about him was he talked about, and I and I was and I was trying to wrap my mind around it at the time. He was talking about exactly what we're talking about right now. He was talking about genetic codes and genetic markers and DNA and switches and turning them off, making sure that they don't ever get turned on. And I kept thinking. It's like a light switch. I don't understand. I don't understand the, the chemistry or something or the, the physiology or the anatomy of these switches that you're talking about. But he gave me a boatload of, of um, supplements to take and herbs to take and, and Chinese medicine integrated in there, unless I'm mistaken. And, and uh, James Roach, uh, you'll let me know, please, if I'm mistaken about any of this here. And then we'll have you on the show and we'll interview you and we'll get you down here with Dr. Levy and I. But but what is what is this what is this switch? And and by the way, the only reason that I stopped taking what it is that I was doing with him is I I felt better, so I thought, well, you know how we are. We feel better, we think we can stop doing the things that got us there. But it was also it was so much volume of pills and powders and, and tablets to take every day. I just couldn't bear it. Well, the switch is something that's now being defined. If you go back 10 years, yeah. that's all he could do. He had read and studied Eastern medicine. Yeah. Eastern medicine, as we know, one of the biggest countries, China, so yeah. the Asians didn't do a bunch of scientific experiments. They looked. If they rubbed this leaf on the wound and the wound closed, they figured the leaf was good. Yeah. Did they break it down to figure out what chemicals in the leaf and find that it was actually, you know, Tunica Arnica, or it was uh, Arnica Montana, or maybe it was Aloe Vera. Yeah. They didn't break it down for that. Yeah. And so he ended up giving you a pill with everything in it. Yeah. Even if he was only going after one receptor. Yeah. And many, many pills, many different things. And now we seldom being in straight Western medicine. This pill is your blood pressure pill. This pill is your water pill. This pill is for the potassium that this one makes you. That's what we've been doing is one at a time switches. 
But in the area you've been hitting on, the nutrition area, the physiology area, the wellness area, they are actually looking at what can you do at this moment in time to at the next moment when we check blood, next moment when we do an endurance test, you've actually made that slack remit, gotten more energy, dropped the weight, had better focus, without using a synthetic product, which is what most of Western, Western medicine is. Mm-hmm. So they're looking at from the diet alone. And, uh, you know, my favorite recent one that has been a big craze is gluten sensitivity, gluten sensitivity. There are lots of gluten sensitivity people. Only a few are truly celiac and have to eliminate all gluten. Mm-hmm. Most people, it's a sensitivity to certain ways that we can modify the food. So, switches. Why does all that stuff with gluten, though? I don't get it. Because I thought it was because we had, we had corrupted our, our crops, our wheat crops, and so our flour is horrible. And now, I always thought it was related to celiac disease. I think I might be psychosomatic because I, every time I eat gluten now, I puff up. We've over-processed. Yeah. And we've made our food too sterile. So our immune systems don't know what to do when they see something they haven't seen before. The classic story, is traveler's diarrhea a bacteria, a parasite, or a colonizer? Years ago, you went down a lot of revenge and gave you antibiotics. It's a bad bacteria. Then, we started giving you probiotics. Yeah, right. A colonizer. And intermittently, we test people with parasites. The E. coli that line the gut in these countries where they have an older water system, where they have a mixture of other things in the water that we're not used to seeing in this country that our system is so sterile, set off diarrhea. The bacteria goes too deep into our lining. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when I give you a food product that instead of letting the villi that are in your intestine process it and send it to the liver so it can be organized and boxed for the mitochondria we talked about, it just goes right in. Well, you get inflammation, and you get bloating, nausea, sweats, diarrhea, cramping, the whole bit. So, this goes right back to the whole switches thing. You want to have a product, in the case of celiac, that's a little more like what your system is used to. So, if you grew up now, where everything is processed, sterile, you never had anything that came in farm the field, Wonderful. You'll never have gluten sensitivity. But if you're someone like us who initially had only the vegetables that were in season, and if it wasn't in season, it was canned, we're more prone to having trouble with this very sterilized food and these foods that were processed in other parts of the world. But can you nutritionally be able to handle either one? Of course. You just have to know exactly what the trigger is. And that comes from genetic testing. Mm-hmm. So d- DNA testing. Correct. Like a mouse swab. Don't DNA testing has allowed us to get more data than we originally knew how to process. But now we're catching <laughs> up on the processing part of it and actually being able to process it into usable data that we can use for treatment. So one of the biggest problems I have for myself and for people who come to work with me because of the institute work and and doing 
um, education, treat, uh, teaching people about health and well-being that's really holistic. Um, it's figuring out what the diet should be and what the supplements should be. Because I can't reliably, I used to be able to 40 years ago, I used to be able to say, here's where you're going to get B vitamins, here's where you're going to get C, here's where you're going to get, and so on down the line. And now it's not reliable. And what's also not reliable is I'm trying to um, uh, recommend to people what, what uh, vitamins to take, and I'm sending them to a source to investigate themselves because I'm looking for the nutrition houses that are doing reliably. If it says it's vitamin C, it's really vitamin C. It's vitamin C that your body can process or so on and so forth. Now, do we have a technology or do you think that we will really and truly legitimately ever have a technology that can customize something for us, for our body? Oh, ability to collect the data. Yeah. Processing the data is just a computer program. Yeah. And computers are handling more and more data per second than ever before. We have the technology. And it's just a matter of someone actually processing that information into something that's usable. Well, we might have uh, we might have figured out technology for um, how we do DNA, but <laughs> technology for broadcasting is a little bit off the curve here. So, what we were saying in the last few minutes is <laughs> we had just hit on can you customize it? Yeah. And the answer is yes. We've been doing it for cancer. Yeah. We've been doing it for medical problems. Yeah. So now nutrition, that is the next logical step. Can I have you taking nutrition where you're not getting low potassium and getting faint? Mm -hmm. Can I have you doing trace elements so you don't get muscle cramps? Can I modify it because now you've decided that you want to take up long-distance running and augment it for that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We should be able to take a questionnaire of what you're doing Mm -hmm. what your problems are, the DNA, mm -hmm. the switches, mm -hmm. and customize your diet in every aspect. Trace minerals, vitamins, supplements, proteins, whether they're soy-based versus um, casein whey-based, which is cow, whether they are meat or fish-based. We should be able to tell you that. You know, no more blood-type diet. Yeah, yeah. You know, nothing like that. <laughs> 
this is this is something that's way more elegant than anything that we've done so far. Well, I'll tell you what, on that note, I'm friends, I'm sorry, but this is the two part episode. Uh, we'll we'll see how Blog Talk Radio strings it together for us. But guess what? We're gonna continue talking and we're gonna continue with our show um every single week because this is a hot topic and I want all the answers. I want the best minds talking with me about this. So stay tuned to Blog Talk Radio. Dr. Levy, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me out. All right, great. This is your friend and host, Dr. Doug Carlin, where K, the K factor is where K equals kindness and the factors are all the things that lead to us. And what is what is more kind than attending to what we know about authentic, holistic well-being, incredible, reliable ways to achieve it? Stay tuned because we're going to continue to talk about this specifically. Have a wonderful day and stay tuned. This is Dr. Dub Carlin signing off.